0: A podcast one production.
1: Andrew Denton, thank you for submitting to this involuntary interrogation.
0: Uh, it's a pleasure.
1: Trust no one. The level of sedition, anti-authority behaviour and advertiser unfriendly thought crime has reached record levels, especially amongst Australia's elites. Luckily, the men and men of The Chaser have been commissioned by Border Force to conduct interrogations and sort out the subversives from the Patriots. Betrayal. In conjunction with ASIO and the Five Eyes Intelligence Sharing Protocols, this
2: is Extreme Vetting with The Chaser.
3: The Chaser.
2: Now, Charles, Dom... Minister Dutton has given us our toughest assignment yet on extreme vetting right now. We have to outsmart Australia's smartest person, Andrew Denton. Ah, oh, crap.
3: Yeah, boss, what if he starts vetting us instead? Gets us to break down in tears like he always did on an enough rope and interview.
2: I know it's daunting, Dommy, I know. But the, but the thing about Andrew Denton is he's an earnest advocate of euthanasia. And the thing is, Minister Dutton kind of wants the public to get on board with, uh, well, well, let's call it a, a less voluntary version of voluntary assisted dying. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. It's time to make
1: Andrew Denton cry. What's your full name?
0: Andrew Christopher Milroy McTavish. Hitler, <laughs> Lucretia Borgia Denton.
1: And uh, what's your age?
0: Uh, geologically, uh, quite young, but in actual fact, I'm 59. Parts of me are 72. One part of me is 106.
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and what's the worst thing mm-hmm. you ever did as a child?
0: Ah, uh, probably the worst thing I did was um, I set fire to our front fence in the Blue Mountains in the middle of summer.
3: It, <laughs> Were you a firebug, Andrew Denton?
0: Oh, I think that's a strong term, Tom. you know I don't even know what you base that question on to be perfectly honest. All I've described <laughs> is setting fire to our front fence in the blue mountains in the middle of summer. now, in fairness, I was eight years old and uh, had just learned the power of fire <laughs> had just the power of fire. Yeah. I'd only learned to walk erect the previous week in fact. <laughs> yeah no that was probably the worst thing I did so and did you get into trouble for it?, mm, absolutely. My yeah. father set me on fire no <laughs> actually here's the thing i um <laughs> I learned a valuable lesson, which was not don't set fire to things. But if you are going to set fire to things, don't use the board game that your father brought you back from New Zealand to do it, because that didn't entirely burn. So, <laughs> so, the, <laughs> oh, so you had there was evidence. There, there. was evidence. Yeah. There was a slightly <laughs> charred map of New Zealand.
1: <laughs> and and what sort of punishment did you receive? Was it just
3: shame, or
0: no? I think uh, I think uh, I think I was sent to bed without oxygen. <laughs>
3: <laughs> was that the beginning of your tension uh, with New Zealand, as as per the song? I don't care as long as we beat New Zealand. Uh, I love a seg, and I love a bit of research there, Dom. Uh, yeah,
0: probably it was. Uh, it's probably a deep seated emotional hatred, and not just a uh, bit of piss taking that I thought it was at the time. No, it was just what was to hand. That's what we firebugs are like.
1: Now, I know you probably don't know much about interviewing, mm. but um, what you do in an interview is you research the person that you're going to interview. Sure. Yep. And so I've, I've Googled you, mm-hmm. and I've got some questions for you based on uh, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. So you were born in 1860. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you are married to Jennifer Aniston. Correct. Yep. And... Uh, you started your career on the Doug Murray radio show? Uh,
0: that's not, no, that's not true. The Paul oh. Murray radio show. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah,
1: sorry. Oh, Good okay. Wikipedia. The Wikipedia these days, yeah. What was it like to work with Doug Mulray?
0: It was great. It was actually really wild because um, uh, FM radio was still fairly new and it was the first time in the history of FM radio that a uh, uh, breakfast show beat AM radio and we had an audience of about a million people. Oh, my which, God. Yeah, it's amazing. I I don't think there's any media left in Australia that has that audience. Mm. And it was everyone from garbos to barristers. And Doug was, uh, even though we're very different people to outward view, we had a very similar sense of humour. And it really ran the range from quite dark to extremely absurd. And we we indulged all of it. And Doug was such a gifted performer. And uh, the way I wrote really worked with the way he performed. Um it was really wild. You were just you were on this rocket that was taking off, and and what was fantastic for me as his head writer and the guy that was sitting in the studio and write lines, as if something was pissing me off, I could just write a line, and there it went out to a million people,
3: and no one knew it was my line. It was even better. <laughs> How did you get to meet uh, Doug? Was it was it really a question of being from indoor cricket? <laughs> uh, no, uh,
0: Doug, I, it's a unexpected story, and I really haven't told it before. Doug and I were both. Uh, at a, uh, a course for people that had set fires as children <laughs> and uh, we were in rehabilitation. Right. Uh, Doug had set the Great Fire of London. Not a lot of people know that. Um, no, I met him... Okay, so here's a, here is the terrible story about the things you do to make a living and this is how I ended up in radio. Longest story short, one of my best friends was Amanda Keller her boyfriend Philip Tanner had this company called Couple of Cowboys who were making a kind of candid camera pilot. I had no money. I desperately needed work. And I was offered for, I think like 50 bucks cash, an opportunity to to go and record a candid camera segment in Martin Place, I think it was. And the segment was that I had a a pocket full of cash. I was wearing a kind of a trench coat and I was to go and imagine how this would go today. I was to go up to uh, women and try and encourage them to take their bras off. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Now, obviously this was not something I felt hugely comfortable with. So I, uh, most people quite rightly said no until eventually one very smart woman said, sure. And she took a bra off under her t-shirt. And so I gave her all the money, even though I was only meant to give her a little bit, because I thought that's enough. So that was pretty bad. But, mm. um, then I had to do a studio segment with Rob Duckworth, ex-triple M alumni, who was the host. And I just thought, okay, that was a pretty horrible experience. So I'm going to try and make something good out of it. So I went in and basically dropped every joke on him I could. And as a result of that, he asked me to write for him because he had taken over from Doug and Breakfast. And then the next lesson was never take a holiday on radio. because the first holiday break, I got a call from Triple M saying, don't come back, we've axed the show. And then Doug came back and he'd heard some of the stuff I'd written and he contacted me and it went from there. We, We got on Pretty much immediately. Can we just Did take I, a break, well, actually?
3: Yeah, let's just take a break. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've having all these flashbacks from working with him years ago mm-hmm. and uh, just feeling like I'm 23 again. Yeah. Um, what do we do? How can we turn things around? Shall we bring out some of the
1: gear? Yeah, let's let's um, torture him.
3: Okay. Always works. Yep. Yeah, cool. Andrew. Hi. I just... It's been lovely hearing your story. Just, uh, just
0: sorry, can, can just you, one second.
3: Yeah, could I just
0: step up for one sec? Oh, <laughs> do, you, um, do you mind? I, I don't I just, think I'm allowed to. But no, if you don't mind, um, I have worked oh, here before. Okay. I you can trust me. Thank yeah. you. I'll be okay. back in just one sec. <laughs> ah, this is awkward. I have no idea who these guys are. I thought I was going to be with the famous ones. Um... Chu chuck Ch- Ch- Charles Charles? Yeah. Ah, oh, Jesus, I've worked with these guys for years, you'd think I'd know, wouldn't you? Now the other one is Oh God, it begins with a P.
3: <laughs> oh, I'll bluff it. Oh, here we go. Hey, you came back, I'm yeah. pleasantly surprised. Mm. I sure did. Ch- Charles, uh,
2: and
0: uh, yeah, anyway, let's, yeah. let's yeah. go on with it. Well,
2: we, we were just reminiscing about uh, old times uh, oh. when we worked so closely together. I the forgot the one. third one. <laughs> 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 he's, look, he's a case. Sorry,
1: sorry, Andrew. Can I just uh, get you to just hold your hand out, please? Oh, Jesus, what was that? It was just, uh, you know... Make you realise that we're in charge now. Things we're-
0: have changed. Things have changed oh, the days really? back
3: at the ABC. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't wish to freak you out, but that just made my left nipple entirely erect. <laughs> oh, How about damn. this? <laughs> oh, 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 there goes the other one.
2: Ah, oh, it always backfires. That was that, why are our devices always so pleasurable? <laughs> <laughs> Let's try this one. Sorry, what was that?
3: Uh-oh.
0: You're torturing me with Daryl Summers' sound effects. <laughs>
2: I can't stand it! I can't
0: stand no, it! Now, that is a torture. Yes. Oh, Mr Denton. Oh, God. Now, I'll say anything. What do you want to know?
1: One thing that we are interested in here yes. at uh, Australian Border Force is uh, early in your career, you actually produced a show for TV called House of Hill.
0: Yes. Now, well, I actually didn't produce... That show? Oh, you didn't produce it? No, I created the show on Triple M. Right. Uh, but Channel
3: 10 produced the show.
1: Yes. Mm. So you created it. We're just interested in some of those techniques because sure. we think that they could be used on refugees.
3: Well, for those who haven't heard the story, um, many regard you as the inventor of reality TV in Australia, mm. and, and I'm sure you're very proud of that. What actually was the house from hell? How did it come to be and, and how hellish did it get? Well,
0: when I first uh, came to do uh, my own breakfast show, Triple M, with Amanda Keller and Dave Gibson, I inherited a promotional idea called living It To Win It, where you had four people living in a, a car for as long as the four could take it, and the last one out won the car. That's a great idea. It was an interesting idea, and what turned out to be great about it was, in fact, the four people, uh, who were fantastic. And um, we got on really well with them, and, and I walked away from that going, wow, that." The theatre of human beings in that situation was really interesting. So I then came up with this stupid idea, which was to do a much bigger thing over, I think it was over four months. It was some insane idea. (laughs) And where we cast people who we knew would be different to each other. And we just put them in a house. The house was the other character. So for example, um, uh, on one occasion, they complained about... uh, the furniture, so we replaced it all with dolls' furniture and then they complained about that so we, they came home one day because they, they had to go out. I can't remember why they would go out but they came back to live in this house and there was no furniture at all and they weren't happy about that so this is terrible with no furniture so the next day when they came home, the house, like there was furniture stacked to the ceiling. They couldn't move. <laughs> yeah, but here's so, the thing. Yeah, did, so what happened? We did the stuff because there wasn't any guide for this so we did what we thought was right, you know, we... Uh, we were certainly casting for people who were different because six people the same wasn't going to be any good. Mm. might have been eight. But we did psychological testing just to make sure that... Mm. Uh, I, I don't even know how we set the parameters, but we took what we thought was a duty of care and then about three months in, the youngest contestant, we found out something we hadn't found out, we didn't know, is that the previous year one of her friends had taken their own life and she was quite young. And so she was very much in the high-risk group for um that and we we could tell because we had a producer there in the house with them that she was struggling and this was like this is a terrifying moment and uh so we immediately took her out of the house and sat down with her and said look this is just you know for fun this is not Mm. serious uh if you want to get out we can engineer a way out but you know what Mm. what do you want to do and she said no i want to stay and so we we, sp- we completely turned it around from being this house from hell we spent the last month we found out what each of them something they each wanted to really achieve and then we set the target as achieving that but at the end of it I remember saying to Amanda and uh, saying we're never doing this again mm. because I, I saw what I've now seen repeated endlessly and the only defence I have is that we were the first so we actually didn't have anything to go on yeah. I saw this is dangerous stuff it's, it's quite uh, potentially quite irresponsible
3: And so it sort of almost turned into a house of hugs in that you were trying to help them around. Oh, that that sounds actually quite nice. Uh,
0: Look, it was in the end, um, (laughs) but it was uh, uh, that last few weeks I found very nerve wracking.
3: I can imagine. Um, Can we just have a moment? Sure. (laughs) Charles, what say we fill this entire interrogation room with furniture? Do you think that would rattle him? We've got to rattle him somehow. We've got to rattle him. It's running rings around us. Perfect. Mr Hanson, can you requisition some furniture for us? Yes, immediately, from Mooji. Andrew, you'll notice that the room is now full of furniture. And it's flat packed, so you'll have to get assembling, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, flat pack goes with the back of my head, so I'm perfectly happy about that. Uh, I love the fact that you've actually made me appreciably about seven feet higher, so thank you. This is great. Do you mind if I just step out for one second? This is dreadful. I mean, I think I'd rather... I think... Oh, God, I think I'm going to be sick. Oh, God, no! Oh. Oh. Oh, I've just remembered the other one's name now, Andrew. Ah, here we go.
3: So Andrew, I'm here listening to those stories of radio. What strikes me is the budget that you had. I mean that's yeah. an extraordinary you couldn't do anything like that nowadays. No, although it wasn't a massive budget because, you know, I mean, we just rented a house and... Um that sounds pretty massive. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a true. budget. I mean, that, that's dollars. That's
2: above zero. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So that's
1: true. No, look but also was. in Sydney, that would be like a million dollars to rent a
0: house. <laughs> <laughs> this was a long time yeah. ago, Charles, before mm-hmm. avocado was a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, look, I guess so. Uh, but most of it was our imagination.
3: The theatre of the mind. Did you enjoy all your years doing radio? Was it not a, to not, the TV a one, stuff? not a
0: day? No, I did actually. I really loved it. It was. Um, I was very lucky working with Doug. Was just incredibly exciting, and we had a really funny time. And um, then Amanda's just one of my best friends, and she always makes me laugh. So I remember um, in the days when Triple M was the only duopoly in town, uh, it took me. Uh, probably about 10 months to work out how the game worked, which was that Triple M was the bloke station and Today FM was the girls station. Today FM had Wendy, Harmer, and Peter Moon, who were a really good show, but that the female de- demographic earned more than the male demographic. So that they were always meant to be number one in the ratings and we were always meant to be number two. Anyway, so but at the end of our first year, we actually did go to number one. And uh, I found out when I eventually left Triple M and um, had lunch with the MD. I said, that must have been an interesting board meeting at the end of that year when when we'd broken the plan and gone to number one. She said, yes, it was a very interesting board meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes every now and then we went to number one, but usually we were just at number two. And I'd say, I wouldn't worry about it because um, we're meant to be in this position, but I can assure you we have a way better time than Uh, Peter and Wendy, who even though they did a great show, actually didn't enjoy each other's company, whereas Mm. we used to have a hilarious time. And the most hilarious time was directly once we came off air and had our meetings where we said all those things that you could never say publicly (laughs) just to try and make each other laugh.
1: Okay, so then you went from radio to working with The Chaser for a while.
3: Um, Is that on Wikipedia? No, no, this was a thing that you pitched to the ABC Uh to get enough rope up. Mm. As I understand. It.
0: I don't No, I don't. I remember Enough Rope.
3: They I made you do this terrible uh, comedy show with a bunch of kids ah. as part of the Enough Rope deal. Wasn't that right?
0: Could I just step outside for one second? Come Ah, oh,
3: This is
0: really awkward. I, I, I remember Randling and David Tench. I don't remember this one. I mean, I've made some crap, but I don't remember that. Just play along. Let's see how we go. Uh, yeah. Oh, those were days. Um, I wonder
3: what became of those guys. Do you do you know any of them? Uh, <laughs> how do you decide which projects to do? I mean, I, I don't yeah. mean to be disparaging, but, but they haven't all worked. Many of them have worked. But what's the process? Because you, you get offered so many different things. You have a million ideas all the time. How do you chart a career? Because you've done so many different kinds of things.
0: I don't get offered that many things, uh, interestingly, um, because I've mostly tried to create my own stuff. I don't know. I just... um, I In the case of Chaser, because it is coming back to me now, but uh, (laughs) that was just sheer chance in that I uh, subscribed to the newspaper and I remember thinking, look, it's not as soft as sorbent, but it's certainly got its uses. And uh, it made me laugh, to be honest. And as um, those guys, if they're listening, would recall... Uh, I was invited to launch, I think it was the, the second year, and um, I just really enjoyed their level of uh, disrespect and humor and energy. But that was just one of those real punts, as in, why don't we try and make television? Nobody knew that that was going to work. And that's actually the truth of all television the good stuff and the bad stuff. Um, you know, uh, it's a surprise to me either way. When something goes really well, that's a nice surprise. And when something goes really badly, that's a not-so-nice surprise. But they're both a surprise because nobody has a clue.
1: Well, uh, David Tench, that was the highest-rating first episode of a talk show ever in Australia's history, wasn't it, I think?
0: Was it? I actually didn't know that. Yeah, I think it
1: was. Um, Were you surprised that it then sort of didn't work out the way you'd envisaged?
0: No, because you could kind of tell... Re, even with that big rating you just mm. there's a vibe you can tell when something's working when something's not
1: So so what happened with David Tench?
0: Well uh, <laughs> without naming the person there was a very brilliant performer who um, the character of David Tench was built around uh, probably the most brilliant performer I've worked with um, but unfortunately um, not long before we were due to go into production it became very clear that he wouldn't be capable of doing it and uh, it was one of the most unhappy conversations I've had to have in my professional life where I basically, for his own goods, had to say, we're not going ahead with you. And ultimately, that person was very grateful, but at the time it was really painful. So, and and this was...
1: um, And it was such a... Because for people who don't know what David Tench was, he was the first real animated television host.
0: In real time. In real time. So I had grown up watching and loving Max Headroom. I love the attitude of Max Henry. Mm. And this is this is exactly how I pitched David Tennant to Channel 10, and this was in the days where a pitch this short could, could get you a, a show. I said, I bumped into the Channel 10 management, the only ever time I went to the big international television festival, horrible thing, I never went again, and they said, you got any ideas? And I said, oh, yes, I do have one. Uh, it's a, an a, a real-time animated television show host. Uh, and the point about a cartoon is that no past, no shame, no future, no fear. They'll ask and say anything. And that was always how I saw it. And so there was an incredible liberation. But, but there idea, was
1: a huge amount of resources Yeah, we, poured into it because Animal Logic did the animation. Who
0: did um, uh, Happy Feet and all kinds of things. Yeah. So here's the thing. They, when I said that to them, they said, we're really interested. And I, only a week before, had spoken to a friend of mine, James Hacker, who'd done all our titles, about this idea, and I said, James, if you were ever to do something like this, how would you do it? And I left him to go away and have a think about it, so I rang him from France, where this festival was, and I said, James, remember that idea we talked about? How would you do it? So (laughs) at at this time, there was, it had never been done. So in fact, to create a real-time animated host, which Animal Logic did, it required an enormous amount of resources. It was a world first, and so much of a world first that it actually, the feat wasn't repeated until last year. Oh, really? When uh, BBC caused quite a stir by having a real-time animated Vladimir Putin. So there's nothing like an idea that's ahead of its time 13 years after it
2: first happened. Well, do you know the other place I saw it was... Uh, live on stage at, at Walt Disney World. But, but again, <laughs> yeah. much later than David Tench. Yeah. But there is a, a real-time animated character with a, with a live... I mean, could, is that what you were hoping for for Tench, like a, a sort yeah. of Disney
0: Parks launch? Or? Oh, no, not quite. In fact, afterwards, I thought if I'd made one change to Because Tench was an amalgam of every terrible talk show host you could imagine. He was barrel-chested and blonde-haired and he was, you know, identifiably... a a male host, but I realised if if I had lowered the status of that character to, say, a cute little animal, I reckon it would have worked. And mm. uh, much later, I, I thought of a better title, which is Badger Works Blue, and I just imagine this cute little animal <laughs> asking these in, incredibly inappropriate questions. One of my favourite <laughs> tench interviews was with um, the Wiggles. Uh, yes, what
1: happened there? Because it, actually, the story online is that they just... Refused to come back for a second interview.
0: I don't think Is we it... asked them for a second interview right. because we never asked anyone for an interview, expecting them to come back for a second oh. <laughs> um, So what happened? What's the? No, <laughs> so it was just asking every question you shouldn't ask the Wiggles, and uh, and you know, <laughs> and of course the Wiggles, they're one, they're beautiful men. I've known them um, for years, uh, so they, of course, never broke their wiggledom. Mm. But they were they were wriggling, not wiggling. <laughs> and I, I can't remember many of the questions. I remember one was. Um, do you ever show the hooli-doolies your bank account just to see grown men cry? And <laughs> so it's actually going, all the things you should never talk about with the Wiggles. And um, I worked with a really talented team of writers and my only disappointment was it actually was really good comedy writing, but that doesn't really matter. If you don't think something's funny, uh, then it's, it's just not funny. And I think there was something about the... And, in, and Drew Forsyth, who took on the character of Tench, uh, he did he worked as as hard as any human being i 've ever seen in this industry, and it was so hard what he was being asked to do because Tench was meant to be spontaneous and explosive, and Drew is a brilliant performer, but he's not a spontaneous performer, and so he was having to sort of um be a character that he wasn't built to be and uh so look it fell short, and I remember when it was all over. David Mott, then the programmer of Channel 10, who, who is a guy to his credit. He brought in Big Brother and he brought in lots of things that worked and stuff that didn't. He took me out to lunch and David's actually a very nice guy and, and that you can't say oh, that gee. about everyone in the industry. And um, I could tell he was wanting to lead up to, well, we're not going with a second series, which I'd obviously worked out. And so I got in ahead of him and I said, now, David, I've just had a great idea for an advance on the series next year. A real host but all our guests are animated. And <laughs> I could see him just go pale. <laughs> and I said, David, it's alright. I know we're not coming back.
3: <laughs> Can I just um, talk to you guys outside for a while? Yeah, sure. Look, uh, it's been lovely reminiscing but I, I feel we haven't put any pressure on him. We haven't got anything out of him. What would Minister Dutton want us to do with mm-hmm. Andrew Denton? Well, I think Andrew... He's all into euthanasia, isn't he? He's been campaigning around the country for voluntary yeah. euthanasia, he has. Yeah, well,
1: voluntary euthanasia, but I wonder whether we could sort of get him to try and promote some involuntary
3: euthanasia. Oh, Minister Dutton would definitely He'd go for that. He'd love that. Does that sound good to you, Mr. Hanson? Mmm, let's try it out.
0: Now, Andrew. Oh, no. mm-hmm. sorry, I've nodded off.
1: Yes. Can you just hold out your hand? Mm-hmm. Oh. I-, I just wanted to make you feel nice oh, to that's butter your update. Oh, Daryl Summers again. (laughs) So you campaign for euthanasia. You want people to Voluntary
0: euthanasia. It's very important.
1: Voluntary, yes. Yes. Well, we're thinking here at the department, we're sort of interested in euthanasia more... Actually,
0: voluntary is just a dime, but let's not... I don't mm. obviously want to weigh you down with things that are important. Yeah, no. No, we don't do details. No, no, no.
3: <laughs> I know that. This yeah. is
0: the Department of Border Security. Yeah, maybe. of course, details are yeah. not, not relevant.
1: Yep. Not relevant uh, at all. So you, you're into euthanasia. We're just wondering whether you'd be happy to drop the voluntary part of that equation and just sort of start campaigning for, for involuntary euthanasia.
0: Look, I, I see where you're coming from and I mm. can see why that would be of appeal Mm. Uh, to your department, yes, possibly, Mr. Dutton, but no, that's not what I do. What I, I take what I do in this space very seriously, and I'm not going to have it uh, taken over for brute political reasons. But but thank you for asking. Do you mind if I step outside for one second? Sure. Thank you. Okay, I think I'm going to get the fuck out of here.
3: Run, Andrew. Foiled by Denton again <laughs> oh, He used
2: that old Can I walk out of the room trick I'm so sick of us falling for that trick Oh
3: he was always the smartest one in the room <sighs> Extreme Vetting with the Chaser Was written and presented by Dom Knight Charles Firth and Andrew Hanson Recorded in collaboration with Podcast One Australia Produced by Alex Mitchell And audio production by Darcy Thompson for all episodes, search Extreme Vetting Podcast. Listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the new Podcast One Australia app.